Welcome back to another episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, the podcast where all things entertainment cross over to anything pop culture with topics such as TV, music, sports, movies, video games, anything's fair game on this podcast. This week, going to have discussion on the premiere of the new Saved by the Bell, a look at another two-hour episode of The Amazing Race, and I'm going to rank my top 10 favorite episodes of the TV show Friends of their Thanksgiving episodes, which is a Thanksgiving tradition of mine where I watch the Friends Thanksgiving episodes every year. Got a few other topics to throw into the mix as well, so let's get right into it. With it being Thanksgiving week, all of us Say by the Bell fans have been very excited for this week so we could check out the new Say by the Bell that is up on the Peacock streaming service. I have watched the premiere. I haven't watched any of the other episodes yet. I just want to recap the premiere and give my thoughts on the premiere and just give it a fresh look just at one episode in. So... If you have not watched the first episode or if you don't want spoilers, because I'm going to go in depth and talk spoilers on everything in this first episode. So if you do not want to know spoilers in the first episode of this new Stay by the Bell, here's your spoiler alert. And another one. Spoiler, spoiler, and we're going. (laughs) So the new Stay by the Bell premiered. I liked the premiere of it. The first episode runs 31 minutes. I thought it did a good job of setting up like where we're going to go, where we had like the reintroduction to the characters that we grew up with, you know, to where it's like, okay, what are they doing? How do they play into the new series? Like what's their story? And we're catching up with them. And then we also get the introduction of here's the new kids from Bayside to where here's their story, this is this personality, this is that personality. So they did a really good job of blending the two. I'm going to start with what they started out with in the episode, where we got basically like a political ad of Zach Morris, which if you hadn't been paying attention as far as like the preview stuff that's been out there, the basic story is that Zach Morris is now the governor of California. And Kelly Kapowski is his first lady. Of course, they're still married. In this political ad, they basically tell the story of how Zach got to being the governor to where, you know, he talks about, well, I'm, I married my high school sweetheart. I married Kelly Kapowski. Then I started as a trial attorney to where I fought for things that I thought was cool, <laughs> which was very Zach Morris. And then the reason that he fought, the reason that he went for governor is because he launched a scheme to try to get out of a $75 parking ticket and won. And then he ended up being, he ended up leading him to being governor of California. And when I heard that, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's very Zach Morris. That is very Zach Morris, that whole thing right there. So we get there. Then we get to A.C. Slater, who is now the P.E. teacher at Bayside High, Jesse Spano is she's she is married, has a kid. The kid is a student at Bayside. She is the guidance counselor. 
So that covers the main three that we really see in this episode. We don't get much. All we really see from Kelly Kapowski is just like a few seconds. We really, all we see is like a little thing of her in the ad uh, to where she's, she's basically like, I can't say that, you know, where Zach, I guess, has her like, you know, in his latest scheme, you know, with his political ad or whatever. And she's like, oh my goodness. Okay, Zach, you know, kind of the typical, typical reaction to, uh, to the Zach Morris schemes that's going on. We get to the main story of to where he is, Zach Morris is holding a press conference. And the press conference is about where he has taken the funding away from schools. He's cut $10 million to the schools in California. And he's closing these lower income schools. So the talk turns to what do we do about these students? You know, they they have nowhere to go to school. So the conversation gets brought up, well, just move them to the higher income schools, just blend them all together into one, one of them being Bayside High School. So we get introduced to Douglas High School to where it's one of the lower income schools that's getting that's getting shut down. We get introduced there seeing Daisy up on up on the stage, and she is running for class president of her school. And while she's up there giving her speech at her basic, like, campaign thing, they basically roam in and shut the whole school down right there, right there completely. It's like, all right, well, that's it. No, we're shutting it down. So immediately we get the Douglas kids being sent to Bayside High School. And we we see immediately as well the differences in the two schools and the students where we're getting that storyline of how different these kids' lives are going to be and how they're going to come together in this high school to where you have the Douglas kids arriving and they point out immediately, you know, Daisy and her, fr- and her friend Aisha, they get out of, they get off the bus and they're like, my goodness, the bus is parked way over here. And they're like, why do we have to walk all the way across here from the bus stop? And they look over, and the reason that the bus is so far away is because the parking lot is full of kids to where they park all their fancy cars over there in the parking lot. And she's just like, oh, okay, this is not, this isn't exactly looking very promising, you know, as far as as far as how they're going to be treated and everything and like the the world they're walking into here that's just very different from the high school that they're coming from. So let's check out these new characters here. And what I really noticed here is that we have six characters. We have six high school characters, just like we did in the original. In the original, it was Zach, Slater, Screech, Kelly, Lisa, and Jesse, that was your six of the main ones. You know, I mean, we had some other characters coming in here later, but here we have six, and we have three on the Bayside side, and we have three on the Douglas side. So on the, let's start, let's start on the Douglas side. We have Daisy, who we've already talked about, that was running for class president. She shows up, she hates Bayside immediately, because it's just like, she looks at this place, and she's like, yeah, this, this isn't, this isn't fair, this is all about privileged kids here, this is, this isn't fair at all, and she sees immediately, like, 
how money runs in this place to where, you know, she's there for trying to get going in school. And they're like, yeah, you've got to have an app for this. And she's like, I don't have a smartphone, you know, and immediately they pull up and show like the phone that she's got. And if, if you're a fan of the original, you'll notice that the phone she has is the Zach Morris phone. It's like the old Zach Morris big, huge block phone <laughs> from like the original series. And just to even clue in even more on what Daisy's importance is going to be in the show, uh, there's a point very early on in the episode where she's having a conversation. She looks to the camera and says, time out. And I said, oh, here we go. She's Zach Morris. She's going to be, meaning not, she's not the personality of Zach Morris. I'm meaning that, oh, she's going to be our narrator. She's going to be the one that talks to us like Zach Morris did. You know, she stopped, she did the timeout, stop time. She's going to be one that speaks to us. You know, she's going to break through the wall, you know, so I thought that was pretty cool. So she is going to be that. She's going to be the one that's going to lead the charge here to, to break through to where she doesn't like how, how different the privileged kids are going to be treated as opposed to the Douglas kids. So Daisy is clearly going to be the one that's going to lead the charge for the Douglas kids and just that side of the kids that are coming in. She's going to be the one that's going to be trying to blaze a trail you know, to try to make things fair there. So that's going to be awesome to follow. Her friend Aisha, she comes in and she has a completely different reaction. Daisy can't stand Bayside immediately. She can't stand it. Aisha ends up having kind of a different scenario. She's like, I don't know, I kind of like it here. You know, and then her whole thing is that she loves football. One of her dreams is to play on a football team. So that's her story. Then we have Devante who comes in. He gets eyed immediately by Slater because of his look and size. You know, he just looks athletic. You know, he just looks like a straight-up football player, and that's what Slater's eyeing him for, like, ooh. You know, and he says at one point to Jesse, you know, where they're talking about the kids coming in from Douglas, Slater says to Jesse, hey, they've got a better football team than we do. I'm pretty excited about this because we can add some additions <laughs> you know, to our football team, and we can get better. So he's got his eye on Devontae immediately, like, ooh, I can get this guy in a football uniform, you know. But the thing is, he's not into, he's not a football player. He's not sports. He's a theater guy. He loves theater. So we have that, and he's, and he's very kind of quiet and reserved. He's kind of more laid-back personality, just very quiet. Now, on the Bayside High School kids, we have Mac Morris, who is Zach and Kelly's son. He's straight up Zach Morris, made over, similar personalities, already up to schemes, already having battles with the principal, and the principal is very belding-like. He is very belding-like, similar personality, uh, their whole like back and forth with each other is very Zach and Belding. So that's definitely a version 2.0 of this. We have Lexi who she's clearly, pro she kind of, her and Mac kind of play off each other already. You can see that there's going to be kind of that battle between the two of them to be tops 
of of the group of the class or whatever the school maybe the school that's probably the word i need to use they want to be tops of the school and you can already see kind of clashing there then we have jamie spano jesse's son he does play football kind of kind of gets some alluding to from slater that he's not a very good football player that he's not not very athletic that's kind of what i read out of what we kind of got out of this first episode so those are our six students. So we have on Bayside, we have Jamie, Mac, and Lexi. On the Douglas side, we have Daisy, Aisha, and Devante. So how do they mix up this group here? How do they mix up the new students and the, the old students? How do they do it? They announce, of course, Jessie gets up. She's, she announces that they're going to do Bayside Buddies to where one of the current Bayside-ers, uh gets to be a buddy with a new student. And that's going to be like, you're going to be able to help the new student kind of work their way in. So the pairings of, of our six students that we've got here, the pairings are Daisy and Mac, which is perfect because they play completely off one another. You've got Mac that represents everything that's Bayside. You've got Daisy who represents the ones that can't stand that everything that Bayside represents. <laughs> so you're going to have them clash. Then you've got Aisha and Jamie. They're, they're a duo. And you've got Devontae and Lexi as a duo. So those are your Bayside buddies. So immediately, Daisy's wanting to change things because, again, she sees what's going on and how it's sided for the privileged kids. And she she's furious with it. She wants to make a change. She wants to fix this and make a change for the better for the school. So she decides she wants to run for uh, class president, which is what she was doing at Douglas before it got shut down. Now she runs into that wall again of what she's battling against to where <laughs> Zach and Lexi want to run for class president because they, they have a battle going on because the class president gets like this awesome parking spot. They want the parking spot. That's why they want to run for class president. And they're arguing amongst each other about wanting this certain parking spot. And they're like, well, I'll just win class president. And I get this parking spot. So that's how they're going to settle it. Daisy wants to run for class president because she wants to do good. You know, that's what she wants to do. So Daisy goes to the principal, asks, what do I need to do to run what do i need to do to run what is there a deadline they're like yeah the deadline is by such and such time tomorrow sure have at it we'd love to have you run so but the only catch is that she has to have her posters for her campaign done by the next day by like two o'clock or something like that so here's the deal where she's now she's got to figure out how to get these posters she has to get all this done it costs money so we get like a, you know, a couple minutes in this episode of just her trying to run around, including going to this store, you know, and she's trying to get these posters made and just the trouble she's running into at one point to try to get them. She shows up the next day with her posters. She's and she looks around and Lexi and Mac have covered the whole wall with just these big, fancy posters and max max political uh statement on his poster 
is I'm doing it. I'm doing this for a parking spot. <laughs> That's his campaign slogan. I'm doing this for a parking spot. So Daisy's looking around going, what do I do? Like, where's my spot? You know, where can I put mine up? And, you know, Mac and Lexi are like, oh, well, you have to reserve a spot. You didn't reserve a spot. So, of course, then she just gets frustrated, throws her posters in the trash. She's like, forget it. I'm out of here. I don't care. You know, she's just, she's at her end with it. So then we get to, over the class announcements, we have Mac and Lexi supposedly giving their speeches. Well, here's, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. Mac and Lexi decide they don't want it anymore. And the reason that they don't want it anymore is because they figure out things they that they have to do as president that's going to cut into like their social stuff and whatever that they just want to do on a daily basis. And they don't want to do president stuff. <laughs> so they bow out. They're like, forget this. I don't want anything to do with this. So what happens is they're given their campaign thing over the, over the school announcements speaker. So... Mac is basically, he's telling things that he's going to do. And it's basically like these awful things to where he's throwing it. And Daisy's listening in class. She's like, is he throwing this? Like, what are they doing? What Are they throwing this thing? Then Lexi starts to, she starts talking, but she's talking as Daisy. She's like, I'm Daisy and I'm running for class president. But Daisy's sitting in her class going, what in the world's going on? And Lexi is making all these just ridiculous campaign promises that's just completely, completely has no bearing on anything. It's just basically like anything that just any person running for class president would say to just get votes. It was like, I would, you know, I was using this for example, I would vote that we don't have any classes for the whole last part of the day. And we're just going to, you can run wild and do whatever you want. You can just hang out and play sports or whatever you want to do for the last half of the day. That's what I'm going to do as campaign president. So basically, Lexi's just saying things that would get Daisy elected. And Daisy stands up in class. She's like, that's not Daisy. I'm Daisy. I'm, I'm not promising any of these things. This isn't anything of what I would do if I was class president. So Daisy ends up winning. She ends up winning class president. And this is a cool moment to where, you know, Mac and Lexi come up to her and they're just like, okay, you got it. See, we helped you get it. Now, you know, basically they're like, all we ask for in return is that we want the parking spot. She's like, I'm not giving you the parking spot. Like I have plans for that parking spot. Like you don't even, and then Lexi points out, you don't even have a car. What are you going to do with a parking spot? And then we cut to... Um, Daisy in her first president meeting and the first thing that she wants to do is that she wants to give her parking spot to the school to the school bus that was parked way across the street that we saw in the beginning of the episode she wants to give the parking spot to to the school bus to where it can park closer to the school to where the kids can get in there and then of course we cut over to the shot with the principals over there smiling so again, we have Daisy to where it's like, this is going to be our hero. This is going to be the hero that we're all going to get behind. She's going to be looking to do good here. You know, that's going to be an awesome thing. So we clearly have what Daisy's role is going to be in this new show. So let's cut to, let's cut back to De Devante. 
Devontae, you know, of course, Slater's trying to push. He wants to get him, get him in there. And he talks, he talks to Jesse, like, what do I need to do with connect with these kids? You know, and she's like, well, that's just what you need to do. Connect with them, talk to them, you know? So he goes and talks to the, talks to Devontae. And of course he wants him on the, on the squad for football <laughs> is what he wants. But, and then they kind of connect, they, they connect and talk a little bit. And Slater's hoping he's going to show up. And instead, Devontae ends up trying out for this theater play. I assume it was a play. And he just goes in there and just with this huge voice and just blows away, you know, the the teachers or whatever, you know, that are handling the auditions. And they're just wowed by him. So he's going to be like this massive theater star. So now he's doing what he wants to do. Now cut to back to Slater who, you know, is at practice and he's hoping that he's going to see Devontae walk in there and there's no Devontae. Instead, Aisha walks in. And again, what I said earlier, Aisha is somebody, she wants to be on a football team. So she comes in there and Slater's like, okay, okay. And then we start seeing, you know, clips of like her just nailing people and to where Slater looks like, okay, well, she she may be a star here. <laughs> you know, she may be a star. So that's how we've got our six characters laid out. That was the basic story of the first episode. Now, some things I picked up, just some little little notes just from the episode, just some throwback things, some things I picked up on. The very first ep- first uh, scene, after, well, first let me jump to the theme song. The theme song is different. It has been updated. There's a brand new theme song, same lyrics, everything. Just a modern spin on it, so there's a new theme song. But after the theme song, when they cut to that shot at Douglas uh, High School with Daisy there, that was very AP Bio looking. Like, down to the music and how it was shot, it was very AP Bio looking to where it just was in my face when I was watching that. We got to see the Max for the first time. They showed the Max, and Max is still there. He's still running it. Uh, one thing that they mentioned in this that I hadn't really thought about as much when I, I guess when I was growing up watching this, um, you know, they they take Daisy to the max and Daisy's like, you come here every day, like you pay to eat here every single day. And they're like, yeah, you know, why why wouldn't you? And of course, she's seeing it from a different money perspective than the others are. And, you know, I thought about that and I was like, you know, I never really thought about that, that they did just eat at this place probably every single day on this episode. And then speaking of like in every episode, there was a really good line that I thought Slater had when he was talking to uh, when he was talking to Jesse about trying to connect with these kids. No, it wasn't Jesse. It wasn't when he was talking to Jesse. He was talking to Devontae. And he had a good line where he was saying, you know, back in my day, problems were solved in 30 minutes after an inspirational speech. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good line. I like that. He said, but clearly that's not going to work here. So that was kind of a kind of a little foreshadow of kind of what this show is going to be like here. And I really like the line of when he, that scene first started and he walks up to him, Slater walks up to him, 
And Slater turns the seat backwards like he always did on the show. And he sits down and Devontae looks at him and says, did you just turn your seat backwards? He's like, I've never seen that. <laughs> so, I thought that was a great line. Uh, one thing I noticed, um, if you're a Big Brother fan, there's a cameo in the first scene at Bayside High School where Mac is walking through the walking through the the hallway there and in that shot is the Nolan twins from Big Brother 17. Uh they're just in there for like a little short 5 second cameo. It's like they had like one line and they walked out. Because I looked and I was like is that the Nolan twins? <laughs> it, it sure was. So uh if if you're a Big Brother fan, there's a there's a little cameo in there that's gonna that you're gonna pick up on from BB seventeen. You're gonna see uh, Julia and Liz Nolan pop up there. Another throwback when I noticed when Jesse was talking to Slater, and her son Jamie walked in, he called her mama. Very throwback to the original where Slater always called Jesse mama, and then now uh, instead of calling her mom, you know he's like mama. So I thought that was kind of a, just a little bit of an Easter egg there, kind of back to the original series. I thought that was kind of a fun little thing. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the first episode. I just kind of wanted to, I haven't watched the other episodes, like I said. I wanted to watch the first episode, record my thoughts on it, and just look at it from the premiere, and then I'll move on, and then I'll you know, give my thoughts on the rest of the season when I start watching that. I just wanted to give my thoughts on the first episode. I really liked what I saw. I think the Daisy character is going to be fun. She's going to be a big time rootable character to where we're really going to root for her and cheer for her. And it's, we're just going to see her trying to change things. She's going to be trying to lead the change to where Mac and Lexi, you know, they're they're the leaders of what Bayside is, you know, to where, like, even in this episode, you know, when they're doing the class president thing, uh, she's just trying to get her posters up, and Max, like, on the phone with LeBron, <laughs> where he's talking about LeBron helping him campaign, you know, and stuff like that, where he's got connections to LeBron James, you know, and stuff like that, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. If you're a fan of Say by the Bell, check it out. I, you know, just see what you think of it. I enjoyed it myself. I'm definitely looking forward to continuing on and watching this. Uh, I'm definitely going to get right back to it and start watching the rest of this and run through the rest of the episodes. So, yeah, it's up on Peacock streaming service right now if you want to watch it. Uh, yeah, check it out and see what you think. A lot to discuss on this podcast, so I'm going to just hit a few quick random topics to get these squeezed in here. Uh, we didn't know who Alex Trebek, we don't know who is going to jump in for Alex Trebek and replace him on Jeopardy. We still don't know. There's some buzz out there on some names, but we do know an interim guest host, Ken Jennings, who of course is one of the most famous contestants ever on Jeopardy. He is going to be an upcoming interim guest host for some upcoming tapings of Jeopardy. So we have that going on. The CW has announced that they are ending Black Lightning, which is going to end in 2021. It's going to end after this upcoming season. Y'all, uh, Arrowverse fans, I'm getting a little concerned here with uh, 
some of the things that's going on here with our Arrowverse shows, because we've already had Arrow in. We've had the announcement that this upcoming season of Supergirl is going to be its last season. We have Black Lightning that's now going to be ending too. That's a little concerning for the Arrowverse. I don't know if this is kind of a different strategy of the CW. Maybe they're looking to pull back a little bit because they do have a lot of Arrowverse shows, which is very ironic because when the CW really first got started, the superhero genre was like the shows they completely ignored. Like Smallville was so far down on the radar to where they didn't even promote it. Like, Smallville was like the forgotten show to where they really didn't put much promotion behind it. And it was really kind of annoying to all of us Smallville fans where the CW was more pushing, like, they were headed more toward uh, Gossip Girl. That was like the the like the genre that they were uh, going for. They were really pushing there. And then Arrow took off. And then they got some momentum behind that. And then they slowly kept adding other shows. And then it became to where now the CW just continues to launch superhero type shows. So now it's kind of interesting that they almost seem to be pulling back a little bit. Although, I mean, it's not like they're going away from that genre because they're, they still have the Superman and Lois or the Clark and Lois and Clark. Uh, I'll get that out in a second. Lois and Clark show that they've got coming soon. We also have, and oh my goodness, if they do not launch this thing, I'm going to be so cranky. The Green Arrow and the Canaries spinoff of Arrow to where uh, very late in the final season of Arrow, they basically did a pilot within Arrow that was Green Arrow and the Canaries, and it focused with the story around Cat McNamara's character. And it was so good, and it showed so much promise to where it's like, this has to happen. This is surely going to happen, that they're going to pick this up and go. Because that was really what the story was, that people thought this is basically a pilot episode, which it was. It was a pilot within just a random episode of Arrow toward the end of the series. And it was really good. It was so good. And I love Kat McNamara and that role. I think she's so good. So I think I th- from everything I've heard, and the actors have said this too, that I think COVID really kind of slowed that thing down to where they were expecting decisions to be made. Even that back in the spring, they were expecting that that show was going to get picked up. And that there was going to be buzz around it. And there really didn't, nothing really went. It was just kind of, but everything was weird. Everything was weird at the time. So, and they've asked some of the cast about it. They've asked, I think, I think they've asked Katie Cassidy, Kat McNamara, both of them. I think they've both commented on it, whether it's in interviews or virtual panels or whatever. I think I've seen them both talk about it, that they're both just kind of still waiting, you know, and that COVID just kind of messed up a lot of things and messed up a lot of plans. But they felt like it was, they felt optimistic that it was going to go. So I'm really hoping it is going to go because if, if they don't do that after that pilot of how good that thing looked, I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> you know? Because it just looked really good. But yeah, it's it's interesting the moves that the CW 
is doing here to where the, like I said, the Arrowverse is kind of slimming down a little bit to where, you know, we're losing. Of course, Black Lightning was still pretty fresh, but it's, I mean, this is going to be its fourth season, which is kind of crazy because it doesn't feel like it's been around that long. Uh, we're going to lose Supergirl. We've already lost Arrow. You know, everything, I don't, I think Legends, I haven't heard anything of Legends being in trouble or Flash. Seems like everything's just going regular, regular pace for them. They seem to just be rolling with the regular season here coming up, but I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on to see if maybe the CW is just trying to pull down on some shows here or kind of what's going on, but whatever they do. Give us Green Arrow and the Canaries. <laughs> this has to happen. It's so good. Like, there's so much promise on that, and I have to have more of Cat McNamara in that role. It has to happen. This week, we had another back-to-back -back episode Night of the Amazing Races episodes 8 and 9 aired on CBS of this season that I have deemed and called Team Amazing Race, which we saw even more of tonight, and the frustration level was high <laughs> watching this for me as a Kaylin and Haley fan. So let's start off. There's a lot to cover here, and I've got two pages of notes taken on the happenings of these two episodes. So let's jump right into it. Of course, this was the first ever mega leg of the Amazing Race. First time this has ever happened in the history of the Amazing Race, which means double everything. Double the challenges, double the mileage, double everything. So we start off where the teams left off on this last leg, which was Kazakhstan. So the teams are flying to India, which is a 2,000-mile flight. Will and James leave first, and we get the foreshadowing from them. There's a lot of foreshadowing. If you if you watch the show, watch the editing, because you can really kind of get clued on where they're going to go. Because there's so many times where they'll drop these little things in there, these little details, and it plays out later in episodes. But I've watched the show for like 20 years now, so I catch I catch on to these little things like this. But we get Will and James talking about how they still have their 20-minute yield. I'm like, oh, looks like they're probably going to use that. That probably looks like that's going to come into play later on in this. We also get more of Hung and Chi talking about how they're not going to share as much info with D'Angelo and Gary, you know, where they had the little thing with them in the last episode with the sharing information. So we get to the airport, all teams fly to India. Once again, we're all even, just like the last double episode last week. We're all even. All teams are even as they head to India. So Iswar and Aparna are the first team to arrive at the route info. This is where we find out what the next challenge is going to be, where all teams have to battle to get a rickshaw, where they're out on this busy street here in India. Of course, it's just mayhem out there, and where it's just bumper to bumper, cars everywhere, vehicles just all over the place, horns are honking, it's all that craziness out on the street, and all the teams have to track down a rickshaw, and then what they do, they try to get the rickshaw to pull over, and then they take it to a pollution specialist to where they have to get it checked for pollution, make sure all the levels are good, they have to get 
once they get the rickshaw pulled over, they have to enter in all the details of that vehicle into the computer, you know, to uh, get it cleared and everything where they have to enter in like the ID number for the car and all that stuff. So as I'm watching this, I'm thinking this mega leg is going to be pretty intense. This is going to be a pretty intense couple episodes here with all that's going on. Iswar and Aparna definitely have an advantage here because there's some of the teams that are really struggling with the language barrier, you know, trying to communicate. And Iswar and Aparna, you know, at one point they, uh, they point out that what one of the other teams was yelling to try to get attention that they needed the rickshaw, Iswar and Aparna uh, pointed out to each other, like, that's not what that word means. <laughs> that's not what you're asking for. You know, so you saw a lot of, like, this this whole, like, a lot of the mega leg of this race, especially the first episode, there was a lot of communication uh, difficulties here for teams. And frustratingly, Kalen and Haley are back in last as they're struggling with the rickshaw here. And they actually had it at one point, and they let one go, and then they didn't, they didn't, weren't able to get another one back very quickly. So we get to the detour. There's two different things that they do can do here for task. One is the Swiggy food delivery app task, or you can do another one. It's like a virtual kind of binary code deciphering kind of clue. So it's almost kind of the binary one was almost kind of a gaming kind of style task. Let's run through the Swiggy one first. What you have to do, it's a food delivery app. So you have to complete three deliveries to different customers. So what you're going to do is you get on the phone with the operator from Swiggy. He is going to run you through on how to get to, to where you pick up your food then he's going to run you through taking you to every place that you need to go. The catch is he's only voice. He is not seeing what you're seeing. You have to verbally communicate, here's where I am. Where do I need to go? I'm seeing this. Is this the right thing or is this the wrong thing? So, and he's communicating directions. So you really have to have good back and forth communication there on how to do this. Now, the other task is called Number Trap, which is the binary code deal that I was talking about. You basically stand in front of a screen and you're looking, they say, look for ones and zeros. So you're looking for these numbers. All these numbers are just going down the screen and you have to watch for your ones and zeros. When you see them, you have to move your hands to basically grab them. And it's, it's very video game looking. It's very video game looking with how it is. So when you get all these zeros and ones, once you complete that, all of these things form together for a binary code. These binary codes form letters to where it, it forms a written uh, statement. Once you have that statement, you take it to the room and say, hey, this is what it is. They give you your clue. You move on. So we also learn, here's another advantage that Iswar and Aparna had. They're software engineers. So this was really something that was right up their alley. So I'm thinking, you know, they may really just rock this, <laughs> this mega leg of the race here. This may be just right up their alley. And we also have our first little moment of dissension in the Mine 5. Well, the latest little bit of dissension with that, with that alliance to where back when they were trying to track down the rickshaws, at one point, uh, Riley and Madison flagged down two rickshaws. And D'Angelo said, no, 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 y'all can't do that. You can't do that. You can't grab two at the same time. 
I don't know if they could grab two. I don't think that was a thing. But anyway, it was that was something that uh, did not uh, go over very well with Riley and Madison. So that was another one of those things where they're saying, you know, D'Angelo and Gary are take, 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 but they don't give, give, give when it comes to this alliance. So with the code, Will and James are the first ones out of there. They get the code. They decipher it. They're good to go. Then we cut to Kaylin and Haley, who once again get a taxi driver that's lost. I kid you not, another lost taxi driver. And I mean, you know, it's like so much of their story has been just, they've got a great attitude with how things just continue to go wrong for them, you know. But then it ends up working out for them where they keep hanging in in this race, you know, where these non-eliminations and stuff like that. And they actually try to talk to the driver at one point where they're just, you know, kind of asking them questions like, you know, just simple little questions like, you know, are we, are we good? Or, you know, kind of things like that. Like, you know where you are? You know, nothing, nothing outlandish. You know, and the driver's just not talking. And they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, I guess the, I guess the driver's just not going to talk to us. So with Will and James being first, here comes the first yield of this mega leg of the race. And again, we had the foreshadowing at the beginning of this episode that they were looking like they were going to use it. They use it. They use it on Kalen and Haley. Boo. <laughs> so they use it on them with the reasoning being that they're the only team that's out of their alliance, and then also that Kaylin and Haley have used their yield already, so they can't retaliate uh, with being able to use one on them. So Hung and Chi, they also tried the, the numbers task. They were struggling with it. After about 12 attempts, I think it was on the 12th attempt, actually, um, Hung and Chi, are, they're discussing it. Like, do we need to switch tasks? Do we need to go do the, the food delivery, you know, and... So Chi makes a call. I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get out of here and go do that. So they take off to go do the food delivery, as does Kaylin and Haley. Once they, they get to the yield and realize they're yielded, so they end up having to, they get a 20-minute yield. Uh, they had, Will and James had one of the 20-minute yields that they claimed in the mine a few episodes ago. So Kaylin and Haley have to wait for 20 minutes on this yield of the race. So Hung and Chi do very well, I thought, on this, uh, on the food delivery app. The communication was very good where he was communicating. She was constantly, it was Hung that was on the phone talking to the operator. She was constantly saying, I just passed this. I just passed that. I just passed this. And then the operator's like, yep, you're on the right track. Keep going. Keep going. Yep, keep going. So that was, they had very good communication. Kaylin and Haley, once they got on this task, they struggled with the communication at first. It just seemed like, and they said that the communication that the operator was giving them was great. It was just that the communication they were giving back was where they were struggling and wasn't good. So Kaylin and Haley switch to who's talking to the operator. And once that switch was made, they really got going too. And it seemed like they got a good flow going to where they got right through it. They had to make their three deliveries. One of the deliveries was in a park, you know, where the operators, like, find a guy in a red hat. <laughs> He's the one you're looking for. Another one was, uh, it looked like it was at a gym, you know, some kind of a gym place, and they had to go in there, and, like, the guy was working out. 
It's like, that's your person, you know, get the signature and all that. So both of those two teams complete that task. I believe they were the only ones that did the food delivery app. But I thought the food delivery app was pretty fun. I thought that was a pretty fun task. But so was the, I thought the number one was pretty fun too. It was fun to watch. I don't think it'd be very fun to compete in. I think competing in it would be pretty frustrating. So we get to the roadblock. And this this task here was very Pokemon-like. And I'm going to tell you why. The task here is they have, they are, they are all given a tablet. You have to go into this building and you have to use this tablet and point it at these pillars. You have all these concrete pillars. Um, when you point at it, you will see a person virtually in front of you that has a different colored turban on. So what you have to do is you have to just keep going around with this tablet until you find somebody. And then when you find somebody, you have to look and see what color and just all the details of their turban. Once you get this, you run back outside where there's all these men uh, roaming around. You have to find one that matches the color, matches everything, the details, and then you take them. And with all those pillars, there's certain number of pillars. You have to land that person on the block outside that matches the order of the pillars. So you have to not only get the color and everything right, but you have to make sure that you put them right on the right designated pillar, like the square outside that matches the inside. So not only might you not, not only may you not get the color right or the details of the turban, but you may put them on the wrong block outside. It's very possible that could happen. And it was happening for several teams, but it was very Pokemon-like, that virtual thing where you're looking around and then you see you know, you see the Pokemon, you know, it's, it was very like reminiscent of that. And the fact that this amazing race was recorded, I think two years ago, I think was how long ago this was shot. So it was closer to time when that game was very popular. So it kind of made me think that, you know, that's kind of where they got the idea for it. It was actually very fun. I really enjoyed this. I thought when I was watching it, I thought this would be a fun task to compete in. I think I would really enjoy this one. Most of them I watch and think I'd be terrible at this, but this one here looked like it would be fun. It would be frustrating at times if you couldn't match what was going on, but I think it would be fun. And speaking of frustration, Will and James struggle here to where that James just could not get it. He could not figure out, he just kept missing on every one of them. He couldn't figure out what it was that he was missing out on. And he finally had to be clued in that he was misnumbering the pillars is what he was doing. He was getting the, like the color right and everything, but he was putting them out there on the wrong block. He was like one over, I guess is probably what he was doing. And again, where did this information come from? It came from his alliance. His alliance was the ones that clued him in on what he was doing wrong. And I should also point out that James was the one that went to the Alliance and asked for help. He specifically went to them and said, hey, what am I doing wrong? And one thing that Gary points out is that this was a good thing he picked up on to where the thing is, once somebody's put out there on a block, they're out. They're out. Of the, it's not like you can, if you go in there and you find a virtual person on one of these pillars and you go out and you match 
that person may already be taken out there and they be and they're already sitting on their block. So you have to be careful to try to pick one that's not already out of this, you know. So that's kind of makes a challenge too, where you might find one virtually. You're like, yes, I found one. Okay, let's do this one. Oh, he's already gone and he's off the board. So that's one thing that could happen and was happening a lot. So Riley and Madison are the first ones out of here, followed by Gary and D'Angelo. This is normally the place in the race to where you'd be headed for the finish line, but this is a mega race or mega leg, so we're still going on. So Kaylin and Haley do the virtual turban task. They just rock right through it and get to it. And now I should point out, this is where they got yielded. I said earlier they got yielded. This is the point where they got yielded at, to where they had 20 minutes. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know, this isn't worst case scenario because even though they're yielded, they've still got a whole another leg of the race here to go, basically, because it's a double double leg. So it's like, realistically, they can still make this up because, you know, any of these other five teams can mess up and end up in some kind of catastrophe, you know, where they're just completely slow and then back up to Kaylin and Haley and let them overtake them. So at the end of the first episode, that's where we are. We see Kaylin and Haley waiting out their yield. More foreshadowing at the beginning of this episode of the second episode of this back to back with Will and James and their interview saying that, yeah, we've got the mind five, but they point out that their main alliance is Hung and Chi, Madison and Riley and how they said they're so ready for the mind five to end, which I said, yes, and so am I. <laughs> I'm so ready for this mind five alliance to be done. So we get to the detour. Usually at the detour you get you get a clue that's kind of tells you what you're picking between. You know, they'll kind of give you a little bit of a clue, but this one did not at all. It was you got there and it said your detour, this or that. You pick this or that. No details other than that. So teams just went for it, you know, because there's no idea on what you're going to be in. So one side of the task is you have to complete a set of bangles. There's a big cart full of bangles that you have, and you have to take them to a shop to where you are awaiting, where there's a bride that's awaiting you, and she has bangles all over her wrists, all over her arms. In this cart, you have to pull out all these bangles. You have to find the ones that match what she's got, and it's just a monstrous amount of bangles that's in this cart. So you're looking for colors, you're looking for designs, you're looking for everything that might match her. Now the other task, basically, this was way simpler, but it was way harder and way more disgusting. You basically had to make a set of dentures for people and put it on them. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was every bit of disgusting as you would think it would be. And it's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to the Bengals. If if I end up at that task, I am going back and I'm saying, we are switching tasks. <laughs> we are going to go do this. So with the Bengals, we have D'Angelo and Gary, Riley and Madison really going at it. They were the first teams to get there. They were going for it. Iswar and Aparna, Kalen and Haley, they all went to the denture side. So Riley and Madison get out of there first. They head to the yield. This is the last yield of the race that you can use. So it's like, what are they going to do? They yield Kalen and Haley. 
who have just gotten done with a 20-minute yield already. And they get yielded again by the five-team alliance. (sighs) I was like, are you kidding me? Are you seriously going to yield Kalen and Haley again? It's like they're already so far behind. It was just like, why kick them again? You know, it's because it was already something that it was going to be hard for them to overcome anyway. But I just thought, you have got to be kidding me. And at this point, this is where my frustration of this five-team alliance is just boiling. Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, like, oh my goodness, this... Because I'm, I'm just, I'm not feeling this alliance. This, it's really just been, it's just been frustrating to watch. It's not like I, I don't dislike them. You know, it's like I don't dislike them. It's just, it's very annoying and frustrating to watch, you know, because it's, all it is is just five teams working together. They help one another. They yield who, who gets in the way of their teammates you know, they pass information along. It's uh, it's just, it's annoying to watch. I've seen a lot of people complaining about this. So the next task that we have is that they, they arrive at the palace. There's these big long tables that are set up. They have to, they have to, to place everything down here as far as plates, spoons, forks, all the, all the utensils. That's the word I'm looking for. They have to do all this and set up like you're setting up for a meal, like you're setting up for this big, for this big meal. It's this big, long table. It has to be set exactly right to the point to where there's even a ruler sitting there to where it shows that you've even got to have the measurements right on this. And we start to see that with the, because right when, here's another sharing information thing. James notices, he's like, oh, there's rulers sitting under here. Well, that kind of tells me that there may be some kind of measurement. He's like, I'd better keep that information to myself. And then right at that time, here comes, here comes Madison right behind him where he's just like, hey, this is what you got to do. Here's, you got to measure this. It's got to be just right. So, and Madison also says, I'm going to tell you this, but I'm not going to tell Gary this. To where now we're seeing the five teams splitting into the three. We're seeing what Will and James said. Where it said that the alliance is basically Will and James, Riley and Madison, Hung and Chi. That those are the top three aligned teams out of those five. So now you've got that information spreading around to where they're leaving Gary out of it. And James also makes the comment about, he said, well, the mind five is dead. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> when the, when there's five of you and the six team, you're doing everything to, to do to try to eliminate this team, including yielding them twice in the same leg. You know, I'm just like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess the mind five is dead if there's only five of you left, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you got to start eliminating each other, so I'll be mean, sure this alliance is over. So first out of here was Madison and Riley. They get to the mat first to where they even, the hot topic at the mat was from Phil about, so this mind five alliance, <laughs> you know what's the thinking here, you know, to where it's like, it's really just, it's the story of this race is this five team alliance. So continuing with the alliance, James 
I believe it was Hung. I think he went and, well, of course he told Hung because that's the other team he considers in the three. So he goes and tells Hung the details on what she's missing in this. So again, you've got, now you've got these three teams that are sharing information. Will and James get to the mat second. Uh, Then, of course, Caitlin and Haley get to the yield. And they're just peeking around going, surely not, surely not. Oh my goodness, are you kidding? We just got yielded again. And just complete frustration. And, you know, they they laughed about it during their frustration. They've really had a great attitude through this whole thing. You know, even when things go wrong, they just, they try to laugh. They try to smile. They just keep that good attitude about themselves and try to keep rolling but they're frustrated, you know, and it's like, uh, it's like they said, they're like, are we bitter? Yeah, we're better. <laughs> yeah, we're bitter. It's like, yeah, we yielded one team, you know, a long while back, but this is two, <laughs> you know? So at the mat, we have Hung and Chi barely beating Iswar and Aparna as they get their fourth and fifth. And of course, then that eliminates Kaylin and Haley and their, their race of, where it just seemingly they kept avoiding elimination did come to an end this time. It's just very sad to see them go. And again, even when they're going, and what's funny is they, uh, you know, Phil points it out. He said, well, so you got eliminated by the Mind 5 Alliance. She's like, they're like, Mind 5? They even have a name? <laughs> I thought that was a great line. We're like, they even, they even have a name to their alliance? And, you know, they, they walk off the mat, and they're still laughing and joking and got their great attitude. I just love them. I love them on this amazing race. I thought they were just so much fun. Just hate to see them go. So at the end of this two-hour, two-episode, mega leg of double everything of the amazing race, here are your standings. We have Riley and Madison in first, second to Will and James, third to D'Angelo and Gary, fourth to Hung and Chi, and fifth to Iswar and Aparna. With it being Thanksgiving week, I thought I would share my biggest TV tradition that I do every year, and that's watching the Friends Thanksgiving episodes on TBS. I do this every year to where even the night before I look to see what time are we starting tomorrow? Like what's, what's the start time? So I'll make sure I'm tuned in. If TBS ever gets rid of this and start stops doing this, I'm going to have to scramble <laughs> and find my DVDs and whatever else and figure out some kind of way to do this because it will have to be a necessity. But every year I tune into TBS and watch all the Friends Thanksgiving episodes. It's always a blast. I'm a huge Friends fan back from when it aired, when it originally aired on TV on NBC. So I thought this year what I would do is rank my top 10 favorite of the 10 episodes. I would list my 10 favorite episodes. And... This isn't ranked as best episodes. This isn't ranked with all these things. These are just my favorite episodes, the ones that I enjoy from top to bottom. So let's start at the bottom of the list with my 10th favorite Thanksgiving episode, and that's the one with all the Thanksgivings. That's the season five episode, so that lands right in the middle of the Friends 10-year run. This is one of the flashback episodes as they all sit around talking about their worst Thanksgivings. 
this is where we get one of the real popular 80s flashbacks where we see Rachel, Chandler, Ross, Monica. We see them in the 80s complete with like the 80s looks, the Miami Vice thing. We see all that going on. This is also where we see Chandler meet Monica. And Monica's very into Chandler at first. And then she overhears him call her fat to Ross. And it just completely hurts her and devastates her motivates her for the next Thanksgiving to where she loses all this weight and she's looking to just make Chandler basically drool all about her, you know, and it works and that's what he does, but she's not getting enough of a revenge feel on him and she's needing something more. So her and Rachel come up with a plan on how they're going to embarrass him. It goes wrong when a knife flies up in the air and it lands on Chandler's shoe and it severs his toe so he ends up losing the tip of his toe and that's one of the lines when we get back to present day he says I lost the tip of my toe because I called you fat <laughs> he's like that's that's the whole reason for it and then it ends up hurting him but this is this is actually ends up being a really epic moment in the friend's history because this is when we get the first I love you from Chandler and Monica to where she goes in there to Chandler's apartment and she's got the turkey over her head which was brought in we saw that in a flashback with Joey that was a really famous scene where he got his head stuck in this turkey so Monica goes in there and puts the turkey on she's got the sunglasses on and she's talking to Chandler trying to cheer him up and apologize because she feels very bad and so and then that's where he starts laughing he's like oh my goodness I love you and we just see her turn around and all we see is the visual of like the turkey face. But even what was so great about that scene is when she turns around, even though her face is covered with this turkey, it's like you can read the face even underneath it of what her face looks like. And she's like, what did you say? He's like, nothing. I just said this and I stopped talking. <laughs> she's like, no, you said I love you. He's like, no, I didn't. So that was like the first big moment there where we had, that was the big I love you. So that was a big moment there in that Thanksgiving episode of season five. Number nine on the list is the season two Thanksgiving episode, which is the one with the list. This is the episode to where Ross and Julie are now together. And of course, Rachel's finally decided that she's got feelings for Ross. That's what we got at the end of season one. Then we roll into season two and Julie's here and she's with Ross and Rachel for the beginning of the season is trying to deal with those feelings and how she how she's going to work around this and like she's just getting her heart ripped out all the time because she's seeing Ross now with Julie. So now Ross is aware that Rachel has feelings for him and now he's stuck trying to figure out which of those he's going to end up picking. So he doesn't know what to do so they come up with the idea uh, well, he doesn't. It's the idea of Joey and Chandler that why don't you make this pro and con list? Make a list of what you like about Rachel, what you like about Julie, what you don't like about each of them, you know, to where it helps you decide who to pick. So he lists some negatives about Rachel on what, you know, the little things that kind of bother him about her. And then, well, what is it about Julie? What's her negative? And the negative with her is she's not Rachel. So Ross ends up breaking up with Julie. He goes to Rachel. Rachel shows up there at the apartment. We get that first moment of, yes, they're, they're together. This is going to work. 
it gets taken away from us immediately when she sees her name on this list. And she's like, what are you doing? What is that? Why is my name on this list? And they make up this crazy story on what it is. And of course, she's on to it. Like, that doesn't sound legit. What Seriously, what is this? And she finds this list. And of course, it's got all these negatives on it. And one, of the, And her point of it is, imagine having all these insecurities about yourself. And then this guy that you're interested in is listing these things of reasons on why to not date her and how badly that made her feel. So even before it got started, it was over. <laughs> Just like that, the tease of Ross and Rachel being together ended up being gr- taken from our grasp. Just like that. We get the epic moment toward the end of the episode where Ross dedicates a song on the radio, which is set to Wither Without You by U2. And that was a real famous scene where she's sitting there on the window looking out at the rain. And Ross is doing the same thing from his place. And she plays, He's he calls Monica. He's like, can you just turn the radio on and let her hear this dedication? So... They turn on the dedication, but the song stops midway through, and then the DJ gets back on and said, yeah, we've just heard from Rachel, and we heard what you did to her, and quite frankly, we don't want to play your song anymore. <laughs> so the song stops. So this was the like the moment where we almost were there. We almost had Ross and Rachel with this big Thanksgiving episode, and then it was taken away, and we wouldn't get it back until that epic prom video episode that would be later in the season and then we'd go full steam on the Ross and Rachel storyline. A number eight episode is the season one episode which is the one where underdog gets away. This is where they're all gathered in the apartment. Uh, Monica's cooking the big meal and it gets overcooked because what happens is through the episode they're watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade And at one point, the underdog float gets away. So they all take off outside because they want to go see this. Like, when are we ever going to get to see this again? You know, where there's an underdog that's just flying randomly around New York City. So they fly around, but they get locked out of the apartment. By By the time they all get back in, of course, it's just smoke in there. And it's just, you know, the meal's ruined. Everything's overcooked. And there's a great line to where Ross wasn't there at this point. The rest of them had all run out, and they all come back in. Of course, the apartment's smoky, and uh, <laughs> and they uh, they all come back in, and Ross comes in late, and he's just like, this doesn't smell like mom's cooking. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Monica's like, shut up. This is, this is what ended up happening. So that was the season one Thanksgiving episode. My number seven episode is from season seven. We got two sevens matching up here. And that was the episode, the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs. This is where the dog shows up. Chandler blames it. Well, we can't have a dog in the apartment because I'm allergic. Turns out he's not allergic. He's just afraid of dogs. (laughs) So the other two stories of this episode is that Rachel has invited her assistant at work, Tag, over to have Thanksgiving dinner after he broke up with his girlfriend. And she's trying to figure out when to make a move on this guy. When's when's like the fair time to when to do it? And she asks that question. She says, "Well, how long is it? How long is too soon to move in on a guy after he breaks up with his girlfriend?" And Phoebe says, "A month." Monica says, three to four months." Joey says, "A half hour." <laughs> and uh, 
This is, then it goes into another point. Of, and this is a line that's very famous for the Friends uh, episode. And you see it on t-shirts and all kinds of memes and everything where he says, well, does he even like you? Because if, if he doesn't, it's a moo point. And they all look at him and say, a moo point? What does that mean? He says, it's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. It's moo. I always like that line. I always thought that was a really funny line. And then, of course, Rachel looks back and says, have I been living with him too long, or did that actually just make sense? So Rachel goes to where she's going to make her move on him, but after having a conversation with him, she backs off to where she's like, okay, I better not make this play. Joey ends up accidentally outing her, saying, oh, well, he does feel the same back to you after she after he sees them hugging. So now the cat's out of the bag, but the problem is then he looks down when this happens, this awkward situation, he looks down and sees that his car's being stolen down on the street. So, but the end of the episode ends up, they end up kissing and that progresses on that storyline. My favorite thing of this episode is the States game, which is, uh, was Chandler's idea. This was a game where you get a notebook and in six minutes you have to write down as many states as you can remember and write them down and see if you can hit all 50. And there's a really great line that I just love at the beginning to where Joey gets very confident and he's just like, all right, well, here we go. I'm done. Said, say hello to the winner of Chandler's Dumb States game. So, well, how many do you have? And he says, 56. <laughs> That's a great line. I laugh out loud at that every time. But the story ends up being that Ross gets stuck at 46 states and he can't figure out what it is. And he makes a deal to where he's not going to have Thanksgiving dinner until he figures out what these other four states are. He's set this deal for himself that he's not going to eat until he figures out what these 50 states are. So you see a lot of things in this episode to where he's like, you know, Tag, we've never really talked. What state are you from? He's like, Colorado. He's like, ah, who cares? You know, <laughs> you're no help to me. And he goes back and sits down. So anything where he could do to just try to get somebody to stay a state, you know, to where he can try to figure out what he's missing. So at the end of the episode, he shows up knocking it Chandler and Monica's door and he's like I've, it's Delaware I've got it it's Delaware can I eat now and Chandler's like yeah sure come on in and he starts looking at his list and he says you have Nevada twice he's like I know and he just keeps on eating so I love the states game that one is really what hooks me on that episode I just think the whole dialogue around that states game is very funny number six on my list is the last Thanksgiving episode of season 10, the one with the late Thanksgiving. This is the episode where Monica and Chandler say, we're not going to host Thanksgiving this year. There's just too much going on with, they were trying to adopt a baby with work and it was just too much stress on them. And of course the rest of the group are like, no, you have to do this. You always host this. We have to have it. And they hype them up, especially Monica. They get her competitive side going and they get them to host, to go ahead and do it anyway. We have two things come up here on the day of Thanksgiving. Joey comes up with hockey tickets, and he's wanting to go to the hockey game, invites uh, Ross and Chandler to come with him. Of course, Chandler's like, no, we can't do that, because the game won't even be over by the time that we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner. And Monica's been working really hard on this, so he bows out, and the rest, and Joey and uh, Ross are like, we're going to the game, right? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> so they take off to the game. Phoebe comes up with the idea. She sees a deal to where there's a baby beauty pageant and they want to enter 
Emma in the in the beauty pageant. They end up winning a thousand dollars with Emma in the baby pageant. They all get back forty five minutes late. We're forty five minutes into when they were supposed to be there. All four of them arrive at the same time, thinking that the others had to be there. So now they're all trying to come up with their story on what kind of deal they're going to do to try to make up the reason on why they're not there, including Joey ripping Ross's shirt. He's like, why did you do that? He's like, we'll say you were mugged, <laughs> you know? And they end up overhearing them outside and they won't let them into the apartment. They're done with them. They're like, forget it. You're not coming in. Like, we want to have Thanksgiving dinner. We should all be together. And Rachel still has her key. She unlocks the door, but she can't get... She unlocks one door, but there's the chain lock that's still attached. So we get the cool visual of them all putting their heads, like squeezing through the door to where they're all pleading their case. Of course, everything goes haywire. Joey gets stuck in the door. And when, because they're all like, we're just going to bail out. Fine. You don't want anything to do with us. We're going to go have our own Thanksgiving. But as they're trying to get out, Joey's head gets stuck and they can't get him out. So Chandler's pulling. The rest of them are pushing. The door goes flying open. Joey lands into the food cart. Food goes everywhere. And we were expecting like the Monica meltdown, but the Monica meltdown doesn't happen because they had just got a phone call. It was from the adoption agency and they got the baby. So this big news happens with this big final Thanksgiving episode where this big epic moment in the series here to where their dream's going to come true that they're going to get to have this baby. Number five on my list is the season nine episode, the one with Rachel's other sister, which stars Christina Applegate playing Amy, uh, Rachel's other sister. The first time, the first sister of Rachel's that we had seen was previously when Reese Witherspoon played the role of Jill. And Reese, of course, I'm a Reese Witherspoon fan anyway, and she was so great in that role in that episode. I just love that episode so much. So now we have Christina Applegate playing the role of Amy. Christina Applegate is phenomenal in this episode. The way she delivers her lines, the way she plays off everybody, it was just so good. She just did such an awesome job of playing Amy. So Amy's basically, she's very self-centered, very selfish. That's basically the role of her. And to set up like the personality of Amy, the reason Amy has her Thanksgiving plans canceled. She was going to meet with her boyfriend and they say, well, what's the reason? Why, why did your boyfriend cancel on Thanksgiving for you? Like, Oh, his wife came back into town, <laughs> you know? So that basically lays out the whole thing of Amy of what we're going to get with Amy. So Amy ends up meeting Emma for the first time. And Amy goes into this whole thing of like, well, if anything happens to you, so I would get, I would get Emma, right? And they're like, no, not exactly. We were actually thinking we were going to let Monica and Chandler have have Emma if something happened to us. And of course, this goes into meltdown mode for Amy. It's like, so you wouldn't let your own sister have her and you're just going to let strangers have her. And it ends up being a big chain of events to where who would get who would get Emma in whatever situation and it keeps going like that. And then we have the situation to where Monica has brought out the good china for this for this dinner 
and Amy's abusing the china. She's cutting the food with a knife and she's just scratching this china because she's just so furious. And Monica's like, okay, let's not take it out on the good stuff here. So it ends up it ends up with a big blow up. Rachel and Amy end up in a fight in the kitchen. Uh, one of the plates crashes onto the floor. Monica almost passes out in Chandler's arms. <laughs> Of course, later on, we see, you know, after the apology, Chandler lays the law down. It's like, look, you guys need to apologize to Monica. You need to apologize to each other. Straighten up. Get over this. And then later on, Chandler ends up destroying all the plates. He knocks the box off the table, destroys everything. And uh, it was just a very funny ending to that episode. Christina Applegate is just such a star in this episode. She is so good. If you've never seen it, you really need to go out of your way to see it. Number four on my list is the season four episode, the one with Chandler in a box. This is the episode that follows up on where Joey had seen Chandler kissing his girlfriend, kissing Joey's girlfriend. And Chandler had spent this little bit of time with her before he knew she was dating Joey and she was just like a dream girl for him. He just loved this girl immediately. And then he finds out, oh my goodness, he's, she's dating Joey. So of course, Joey's just furious, wants nothing to do with Chandler. Chandler constantly is like, look, I'm sorry. What can I do to make this up to you? And he's, and Joey's boxing up all this stuff like, well, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go live somewhere else for a little while because I just don't want to be around you. And Chandler's like, what have I got to do? He's like, and what it ends up being is there's this big box sitting here. And it ends up being in an agreement like, well, you could sit in this box for a while. It's like, okay, well, I'll just sit in this box. This is what I'm going to do. I'll stay in this box. And what I'll end up doing the whole time to try to, to prove how serious I am that I want me and you to be okay. So there's a lot of funny things. There's so many great lines that revolve with Thanksgiving dinner going on while Chandler is over here inside this box. And there's a lot of funny stuff that goes on with that. The other story is Monica accidentally getting ice in her eye and messing her eye up to where she needs to go see the eye doctor. Her eye doctor is, of course, her ex, which is Richard Burke, who was played by Tom Selleck. So she's like, I can't go to him, especially when I don't have a boyfriend already, you know, to where I can say something like that back to him. So they make a call, and Richard's not there, so the on-call doctor is there, which she is all for seeing the on-call doctor. She ends up learning that the on-call doctor is Timothy Burke, which is Richard's son. So she ends up inviting him to Thanksgiving dinner, because there's a little bit of sparks that fly a little bit from her on that. And there's a lot of conversation at the table, you know, that's a lot of kind of crosstalk going on where you've got Rachel saying, sick, 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 <laughs> you know, talking about you're, you're seeing his son. This is sick. And then we also have the other story that goes on is that they, they figure out that Rachel is a notorious gift exchanger to where whatever gift you give her she will exchange it for something else. She never keeps what you give her. And there's a lot of fun hijinks that plays off of that. Number three on my list is the season eight episode, the one with the rumor. This is the one that guest starred Brad Pitt playing an old high school friend of Monica's named Will. He remembers Rachel. 
he hated Rachel because apparently Rachel was very mean to him in high school. She can't remember him at all. She doesn't remember who he is. And of course he's changed because him and Monica discuss how they both lost a ton of weight. And so he doesn't look anything, you know, like he did in high school. And of course, when he walks into the room, Phoebe's like, wow, (laughs) wow, look at this guy. And that's one funny thing that goes on through the episode is uh, Phoebe just basically hitting on him. And at one point, you know, where she's, uh, Will's trying to say something and he stops talking and Phoebe says, she said, go ahead and go ahead and tell us and take your shirt off and just tell us what <laughs> tell us what happened. So we get this great crosstalk at the table to where she finally Rachel's just like, what is this guy's problem? Why why is he so rude to me? And then Monica clues him in like, yeah, you weren't very nice to him in high school. She's like, well, I'm sorry. I apologize. I I don't know what I did. I don't remember you, but I'm so sorry if I did anything that offended you. And then Will talks about how, oh yeah, we hated you, but not only did we just hate you, we had a club. We had the I Hate Rachel Green Club. She's like, you had a club? It's like, yeah, and Ross was in it with me. <laughs> and Ross is like, what? It's like, you were in this club? It's like, you were a member? And Will's like, co-founder. He was a co-founder. So there's a lot of great back and forth here to where we learn that Will and Ross had spread a rumor about Rachel that spread to different high schools and that Rachel had actually spread a rumor that actually ended up being something true that had happened with Ross that that spread around. And that's basically like the story of the episode. It's very funny. The way they play off each other is is really great. You know, like the the moment at the beginning of the interaction with Will and Rachel to where Rachel's like, who's that guy over there? And I go, that's Will. He's Will from high school. It's like, well, he, it looks like he's mouthing something to me, but I can't, I can't read what he's saying. And then they cut to Will and he's going, I hate you. (laughs) And he's mouthing it to where you can read his lips. It's really funny. This is a great episode. I love this one. Number two on my list, I love this episode here. This is the season six episode, the one where Ross got high. This is the one where uh, Monica and Ross's parents get invited to Thanksgiving. And Chandler learns that Monica has not told her parents that they're together now. And he's like, well, well, why? Why have you not told them? And she clues him in like, yeah, my parents kind of hate you. They really don't like you. He's like, well, why? What happened? And what ends up being the story is that the reason that they hate him is because Ross was high in his in his dorm room at college and his parents came up and instead of him getting busted, knowing what was going on, he he blamed it on Chandler and said that, oh, it was Chandler. He was just in here and he just went out the window and bailed out. But this never actually happened. So their parents can't stand Chandler because of this false thing that came up years ago. And they've always thought that this was true. So we have one situation in the episode to where they wanted Ross to come clean on this and he won't do it. So what ends up happening is Ross and, and uh, Monica firing at, uh, firing truths out of like secrets that they knew about one another and outing them to their parents. And it's really funny 
But the highlight of this episode is Rachel getting dessert duty to where she's in charge of making the dessert. She ends up making a trifle. The problem is that she's making it off a recipe book to where the pages have gotten stuck together to where they taste the trifle and it's terrible. It's completely awful. And they're like, well, what's the deal? And Ross looks at the at the recipe like, how could she have gotten this wrong? How can it be this bad? And he realizes that the pages are stuck together and that she's cooked half of an English trifle and half a shepherd's pie. So this thing tastes terrible, and they're trying to figure out how they can maneuver this to where they don't hurt her feelings, that this thing is going to taste so terrible. And of course, you have the scene at the table where they're all faking that how good it tastes. You have uh, you know, Ross with the moment where he's just like, it tastes like feet. And then you cut over to Joey, and Joey's just, he's eating this thing right down. He's like, I like it. <laughs> and you're like, well, what do you mean you like it? He's like, what's not to like? He's like, custard, good. Jam, good. Meat, good. And it's it's such a funny scene. The trifle thing is so funny in this episode. It, this is probably the story that gets this thing, gets this episode so high on my list. And on to number one on my list is the season three episode, the one with the football. The one with the football is easily in my top ten of all-time Friends episodes. Man, I would probably put it top five, actually. I think I'd probably put it in the top five. This is the episode, season two, to where they all end up playing backyard football outside. We learn that Ross and Monica used to have, they used to play backyard football to where there was even a Geller Cup that had a trophy that was given out for the winner of the Geller Cup every year. It started, they stopped playing because when they were kids, the last time that they played, Monica broke Ross's nose in their last game and their parents banned them from ever playing again. So it ends up going on. They end up playing. Everybody ends up playing, all six of them. There's a lot of fun things here to where there's a Dutch girl that shows up. Chandler and Joey end up battling over her, trying to get her attention. That ends up going wrong because they're trying so hard to get her attention that they turn her off. We get all the competitive stuff with Monica and Ross. Rachel just wanting to belong to where they just keep telling her to go long. Phoebe just having fun just because she's never played football before and she's loving it. And it's just a fun episode. It's, it's uh, like I said, probably top five all-time Friends episodes for me. But yeah, that is a big tradition of me, of mine. Every Thanksgiving, I always watch this TBS marathon of the Friends episodes, Thanksgiving. I was kind of researching around, seeing how people felt about episodes. And I noticed everybody's lists were very different. I thought that was very funny. Everybody just has kind of different tastes with what they like with the episodes is what I noticed. So this is just my favorite list. You know, these are the ones I enjoy the most. That is it for this episode of the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you have a great day. Take care. God bless. And thank you so much for listening.